unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? Nathan, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm I'm glad to be back on the mic, and I was looking over this week's show notes, and I'm intrigued by what you have for us today. Yeah, thanks. It's pretty interesting. It's a little different. It's not quite an old master series, but it's along the same lines from this book called the copy book and you can't get it on Amazon but we can put a note in the show links it's by a, a German publisher called Taschen but they're they're in the United States they have warehouses here and everything so what i did is i i poured through it i found a handful of idea generators and the book is called the copy book how some of the best advertisers in the world write their advertising and i found out about this book from our friend Sean Vosler thanks Sean who's been on the show before it's over 500 pages long. And while it's interesting, most of it does not really apply to direct response copywriting, which, after all, is what this show is about. Nevertheless, there were a few gems I found that are great idea generators for all copywriters, including us. So that's what we're going to focus on today. But first, I want you to focus on this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible, How? You use what you hear on this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Nathan, we've got seven idea generators coming from four different copywriters. I'll mention the copywriters' names as we get to each one. Obviously, these are people who know their way around writing advertising. And, like I said, I carefully selected each idea generator because I can see how you can apply this to what you're doing when you're writing copy yourself. Okay, so with that, let's get started. The first one is from Mary Ware. and it has to do with telling stories. She says, no, there's always a fresh way to tell an old, old story. Stand-up comedians are brilliant at this, taking the most mundane subject, life, and retelling it in a way that makes us laugh and wonder and think. So what she's talking about is reframing, a, a very deft, sophisticated kind of reframing. And at its most basic level, it's just plugging in a few different details to change the industry from a story that works. You see this a lot with the Wall Street Journal, Two Young Men uh, story. It'll work in just about any industry, but only if the people in that industry haven't seen it used before. Now, at one point, I had a whole collection of them, but I don't know where that went. So the only one I can remember that I found was from a clown school. 25 years ago on a beautiful late spring after two young clowns graduated, and it went like that. But you get the best stuff when you go beyond what I just said, when you take the bones of a familiar story and you put brand new meat on the bones. For example, how about this old favorite? Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. 
Jack fell down and broke his ground, and Jill came tumbling after. Nathan, do you think we could do like a, a hip-hop song? <laughs> so to, to, to alter this story, instead of Jack and Jill going up for water, you could go about a couple who went up a hill with one goal in mind. It could be a metaphorical hill. Failed at that goal, came crashing down in not such great shape. Well, let's do that. Let's put together a story about Jim and Jessica. Let's say you were writing for a financial planner, or you are a financial planner, writing your own copy. Your story could be about Jim and Jessica, this nice young couple who ran into unexpected hard times. How they had built their nest egg, kept going up, but they didn't diversify. And when the cruise line sector took a tumble during COVID, they fell down the hill. They lost 20% of their 401k. It was then and there that they realized they were not professional investors. And that's when they made an appointment with Bella and company for a portfolio review. So that ought to give you an idea about how to take an old story, find the bones, pick the meat off the bones, put fresh meat on the bones, and retell it in a fresh way. To learn how to do this, it's not a bad idea to study comedians and notice how they put their stories together. But don't do this to put comedy in your copy. Very dangerous. Good work most likely won't. Do this to learn how to take mundane subjects and make them more interesting. And a few places you can find really good stand-up comedians are Netflix. Sirius XM has a number of comedy channels, if you happen to have that in your car. And YouTube, of course, has lots and lots of comedians. And most of all, of course, if it's back open, your local comedy club. So Nathan, any thoughts about retelling stories in a different way? I would just like to say there's a lot of great resources out there on the different types of story structure and story format. And a lot of these stories, they stick with us because they work. And just my normal thing, sales pitches cause people to put up their defenses. Stories cause people to lower their defenses. And so as a copywriter, as a sales guy, I love the power of stories. Okay, good point. So what I would take from what you said is not just retelling old stories in a certain way, but learn how to tell stories, learn about stories, learn about story structure, become a fan of stories, watch stupid stories on TV. I, I know there are some people that don't even know what TV is anymore, but if you still know, you might want to watch some of those stories because they do a pretty good job in a pretty mundane way. But mundane is almost the key here. It's not about writing something that's going to win a Nobel Prize or a Pulitzer Prize or get a great review in the New York Times. More about the New York Times later today. Okay, the second idea generator is from a copywriter who writes in English, but he has a very Italian-sounding name, Alfredo Marcantonio. Very successful guy in the UK, still alive. I think he's kind of retired from active agency work, like 80 or so. Anyway. He'll have three tips throughout today's show, and we'll spread them out across all seven. His first one is that copywriting is like speech writing in one way. And here's that one way. It's probably more than one way, but certainly one way. There are a couple of powerful techniques speech writers and great orators use all the time, very simple, everyday techniques that you can use in your copy. And the first is the list of three. Comedians use threes. Here's an example from 95-year-old comedian Mel Brooks. 
Tragedy is when I cut my finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. Okay, maybe it's on the delivery. You didn't even smile. So threes are everywhere in speeches, in children's stories, like Goldilocks and the three bears, in the way we divide the day, morning, noon, and night. In copy, use three examples. Say you have a shoe buffer. It's a supersonic, really fast, environmental friendly, use less polished shoe buffer. Just sort of making this up here. You could say it works great on wingtips, loafers, and women's pumps, right? That'd be great. That sounds better than it'll work on all the shoes you have and all the shoes you don't have yet. You know, three specific. Lists of three satisfy some deep human need for variety and closure and a third thing, which I'll figure out someday. So his other idea is contrasting pairs. A few examples, good cop, bad cop, before and after. In copy, this is what you don't want, this is what you do. That was the example of a contrasting pair. We talk all the time about what you don't want and what you do. And so the contrasting pair is very, very, very powerful, more powerful than I can fully express right now. The third one is not from Mark Antonio, but many copywriters today use this, don't forget the rule of one. The idea is you have one idea, one big promise, one theme that runs all throughout your copy to keep your reader focused on that idea and your copy so you can build your momentum, close your sale. What do you think about one, two, three? I love it. I am a huge fan of all three of them. I want to go back to the first one that you mentioned, the rule of three or the power of three. One thing that I use and utilize in my copy is recency bias. The most recent thing people hear is the one that sticks with them the longest or the most impactful. So if you're going to be using three, I have my the one that I really want to drive home be the third one. My second most important one is going to be the first one. And then people tend to not remember or have as much importance placed on the middle. So my least powerful one goes in the middle. So it goes from second most powerful, least most powerful, and then most powerful, most persuasive point is always the third one. That's a really good tip. And as I think about it, I agree with you. That really works. I mean, you're talking about micro recency bias, like recency of two or three words, but yeah, that's good. Okay. Third, third idea generator. This is from Chris O'Shea. Don't think of a target market. Think of a person and write to that person. Of course, it's always best to actually have a target market, but don't write to the market. The best thing you can do is have a person inside that market who you know and who you, in your mind, can write the copy to directly, like it was a letter to him or her. But even if you don't know an actual person inside the market, it's still better to write like you were talking to one specific person you know than to write in general to a prospect or a group of prospects. I was talking to one of my mentoring clients a couple of days ago. He had written an extraordinary landing page. I really liked I asked him about it. As we talked about it, it turned out his wife was about 80% like the target market that he was writing for. And he wrote it with his wife in mind. It was more than he was writing to a particular person, especially someone he really loves, and that the person exactly 
match the target market. That was only partially the case. So one one more thought about this. On Wikipedia, I just happened to come across this. Wikipedia defines advertising as non-personal, which most advertising is, but not direct marketing copy. What we do is very personal. I have heard the tip to figure out who your avatar is and go online and find a visual representation and then print it out and tape that to the wall or tape it to your monitor. Uh, Joe Schriefer, one of the friends of the Copywriters Podcast, he says that they actually have an avatar for one of his businesses that they write to, and they actually had a little character, like an action figure or a, a stuffed character that they put on the desk of this particular person that they're writing to to remind his copywriters, hey, this is the exact person that you're writing to. Yeah, I've, I've seen one of those bobbleheads or, or action figures in Baltimore. That's right. I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's Bob. It's, um, he's a conservative retired dentist, I think. Very, mm-hmm. very specific. All right. Number four. This is our second one from Alfred Mark Antonio. It says, don't be afraid of mimicking the style of your hero copywriters at first. Now, let's parse this one because here's where this is a good idea and here's where it's not. It's a good idea to do this to get a sense of style and rhythm and the tone of one successful copywriter. But here's where it turns out to be a bad idea where you are copying too closely. That's called plagiarism. And your hero copywriter can end up having their lawyer send you a threatening letter. This really does happen. I'm aware of a case where it has happened in the last 30 days. It really does happen when you lift copy wholesale from someone else. Don't do that. Don't let this happen to you. Now, here's how to do it so it helps you without putting yourself at risk and without earning um, a new commission for a lawyer. One, copy phrases the other copywriter uses sometimes, but not all the time and not too close together in your copy. That's legal. That's okay. Never copy whole sentences. Um, Figure out the structure that your hero copywriter is using, but put in different content. And we were kind of talking about that before with stories. And here's an advanced tip if you can do this. Get a clear sense of exactly who that copywriter is writing to and write to the same person. When I first started copywriting, you and Ray Edwards, as far as structure, you two were the guys that I emulated or I don't want to say copied, but I definitely went through the structure of both of your guys' sales pieces. And that was you where emulated I emulated us. Yeah, (laughs) that was where I got a lot of my, that's where a lot of my information on how to construct things came from. Uh My attitude in my copywriting, my style, totally Ben Settle, because Ben Settle was, I had a connection with him right away when I started reading his copy. I was like, oh, I can be myself in my copy and I don't have to be trying to fake. I was like, this, this guy, his attitude resonates with me and I need to start putting more of my attitude into my copy. So Maybe not so much copying, but I did a little bit of a piecemeal way of putting my copywriting style together. Yeah, that's great. And I don't know if it was Picasso or Miles Davis or someone said that, you know, bad artists steal from a few, great artists steal from many. 
if you're doing a composite, a combination of things, and I don't think you ever plagiarized anybody as far as I could tell or just based on that. But yeah, you, the way you're doing it is, is the way people can do it safely and productively. So when you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over a copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. <laughs> All right. Idea generator number five. This tip is from John Stingley. And this one is interesting, very subjective. It says, creating advertising is the same discipline as acting. You must start by discarding your identity. Kind of the opposite of what you're just saying. Isn't Often this means mentally and emotionally becoming someone you would never in a million years be like yourself. Now, not everyone looks at things that way, and not everyone has to. I mean, compare this to something film director Steven Spielberg said. He says, I always like to think of the audience when I am directing because I am the audience. We can't always do that in copy because depending on who we are and our situation and our client, we're not always writing for people in a market that we're part of. I mean, I've done both. You've probably done both too, Nathan, right? There are times where you're writing for people a lot like you, and there are times where writing for people are 180 degrees away from who you are. When you're writing for your own market, this is, of course, possible, less of an issue. But even there, you have to always factor in the curse of knowledge. Uh, the shorthand for that is other people aren't as up to speed on everything you're writing about as you are. And so you have to allow for that. But most freelancers are not in their own market. They're in at least a few niches. And for the longest periods of time, I was not. I've been in over 100 niches. The key is to bring three things to understanding one person in any niche. First thing to remember is there are some fundamentals of human nature that never change. Fear, love, greed, compassion. All humans have these to some degree, different mixes for different niches, of course. Two, there may be some things about the niche that are like the way you are, even if you're not actually part of the niche yourself. So find out what those are. And three, and this is what Stanley is getting at, there's some things about the niche, values, beliefs, ways of saying things, priorities, familiar cultural references that are entirely different from yours. Find out what those are and learn to put on a new mindset the way you might put on a different hat. It's not always easy and you may not always do it perfectly, 
but you got to try and do what you can. So what do you think? Uh, I would just say that this goes back to something that seems to be severely missing in the world right now, which is the ability to empathize with others. And as copywriters, the ability to empathize with who we're writing to is probably one of the most valuable skills we can have. Yeah, really good point. Really two good points. I, I agree with them wholeheartedly. All right, idea generator number six, and this is our last one from Alfred Mark Antonio. Use the headline you didn't use for your headline for your PS. So typically, um, you're going to write a lot of headlines, and maybe you'll have 10, or maybe you'll have 100, or maybe you'll have some number in between, or you might even have more than 100. You're going to pick one. What do you do with the other 99? Well, a lot of people don't know what to do. and I can't tell you what to do with every single one of them, but I'll give you some ideas. What you're doing when you brainstorm headlines is you're trying to come up with the best way to talk about the unique hook of your product to get someone into the copy. So just because one headline didn't win above the others doesn't mean it's no good. It's still probably pretty good, and you can use it in other ways. You can adapt it as your PS. You might have to rewrite it a little. It might not be quite as condensed. It might be a little more conversational. It's still going to be pretty, you know, fast-paced and energetic. Uh, the important thing is expressing the urgency of getting the core benefit. Besides the PS, there are other things you can use headlines that didn't make the cut. Subheads, or for bullets, or ideas describing your offer. So, any any thoughts on headline reuse? What, what I love about this idea is a lot of people skip to the PS, if they're looking at something and they're like, I'm halfway intrigued and they'll skip all the way down the page to the PS to see what it says at the end. And if you use your second best headline at the PS, then you have a really great chance of getting them to go back up and reread through the content. So I think this is an amazing idea. I think I've probably done this unintentionally quite a few times, but now that I realize, holy cow, this is such a powerful technique. Cool. All right, let's jump to our last one. This tip is from Paul Silverman, and he says, copy must move faster than normal writing. You should always assume a passive reader. Most of momentum in regular writing is tension and release. It does speed up and slow down and create some drama and emotional intrigue, but it doesn't have the forward momentum copy does. So I've heard from a few teachers that closing copy, maybe the last four or five paragraphs before your call to action needs to be more staccato, short sentences of shorter, harder words. But until now, I've never heard the overall idea that all of copy moves faster than normal writing, but it does. Silverman's right. Copy is motivational, it's directional, it's action-oriented. Think of a football team in a locker room. The coach does not speak slowly and soothingly to the team when he wants to get them fired up. He speaks with urgency and intensity and at a fast pace. Copy does not need to be like a locker room pep talk, so we learn from the coach rather than imitate him directly. I'll give you an example. This is from my friend, the master copywriter Joe Sugarman, and this is the beginning of an ad he wrote in the New York Times on October, it ran on October 24, 
1974, a week before Halloween. So it was 40 years ago. I'll, I'll read the headline and then the first few lines of his ad first. Headline, Halloween sale. All treats and no tricks in America's most spectacular calculator sale. Texas Instruments, $9.95. Bomar, $19.95. APF, $29.95. Keystone, $39.95. Data King, Kings Point, $99.95. Unbelievable, but true. JSNA has 5,000 calculators in various quantities set aside for this spectacular sale. Okay, now I'm writing an imaginary New York Times article about the sale. Of course, it, they would never stoop low enough to acknowledge that it was actually existing, but I'm doing this just to give you an example of what so, so-called normal writing would be more like. Headline. Chicago Retailer Captures the Spirit of the Halloween Season. Article itself. Mail-order merchant Joseph Sugarman of Northbrook, Illinois, has greeted his technology-prone customers with a Halloween gala only they could appreciate. He has invited them to mail in their bids for a fixed-price auction of heavily discounted electronic calculators in the hopes of napping one at a bargain price. Quote, we have commissioned a nationally recognized public accounting firm to objectively administer every aspect of this sale, said the energetic and alert Mr. Sugarman. Although their professional ethics prohibit us from mentioning their name, they are one of the nation's largest accounting firms and their name will be sent to those who request it. Okay, so the imaginary New York Times article was twice as long, at least twice as slow, and maybe that was because I read it so slowly, but I think it really was. I wrote it slow too, right? And it had maybe one-tenth as much useful information as the ad copy. So what do you think about all that? Oh, I almost fell asleep, man. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, for myself, most of my editing is just figuring out how to be more economical with my words. And now that we write on the internet, it's easy to, to get long winded and use way too much space. Cause we're not paying per letter. We're not paying per inch, but yeah, you've brought up the concept before the more work you do, the more money is going to flow into your pockets. The more work the reader has to do, the more money is going to stay in their pockets. And for me, that work is usually going through and being like, do I really need this word? Can I shorten this sentence? Can I get the same idea across with a third of the amount of words? And so, yeah, uh, short, fast, to the point copy always overperforms for me. Yeah. As for uh, as for other good copywriters. Yeah. All right. Let me let me recap these really well. We'll hold up the book one more time and then I guess we're out of here. Number one is. Fresh way to retell old stories. Number two is the list of three and two and the rule of one. Number three, write to a person, not to a market. Number four, don't be afraid of mimicking the style of your copywriting heroes. Asterisk, but don't plagiarize. Five, writing copy is can be like acting. Six, use headlines that didn't make the cut for when they didn't make the cut for the top of your copy, use them elsewhere. And number seven, copy moves along faster than normal writing. The book, once again, 
is the copybook. It doesn't have an author because it has about 100 authors. It's by Tashin, T-A-S-C-H-E-N, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Awesome. David, another fantastic episode, man. I appreciate you putting this together. And if listeners want to check out more episodes of the podcast, Copywriters Podcast is the best place to go. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a rating and a review. And I just appreciate you, man. Thanks for putting this together. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. See you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 